Good morning, afternoon or evening, depending on where you are. Welcome to yet another episode of the Two Bros Podcast. And I have with me this time, my younger brother. Hello, sir. How you doing? How are you doing? I think that's the question I should ask, especially after well, yesterday. Well, it's me and the billions and billions of Manchester United fans all around the world who are having a bad morning. Well, the 7-2 to Liverpool did help a bit, I'll admit, but uh, not so much. So, I can pretend to, you know, maybe say I know how you feel, mm-hmm. but I'll do you one better. I will hark back to the day Arsenal went to Old Trafford and lost 8-2. So, I do know how you feel, although that was a long time ago. Yeah. But, let's let's begin by figuring just just where do your thoughts go at the beginning? of, you know, trying to analyze what happened. So, to be completely honest, I am I'm not surprised by what I saw. The warning signs have been there since the beginning of the season. Not just the beginning of the season. Towards the end of last season, mind you, we lost uh, three semi-finals last season. You know, and towards the end, after the, after the Premier League season ended, we were quite poor in the Europa League. We got completely... Uh, you know, uh, ruined by Sevilla. We were just not in that game. And the signs were there. Defensively, we looked shaky. And we had a lot of time to, uh, you know, bolster our squad with some signings or, you know, something. But nothing was there. And I'm honestly not surprised to see that we were we were taken. It was just a matter of, uh, uh, just a matter of time. So, as long as we've seen United, and that has been for the better part of two decades now, it's always been really fast play, uh, you know, really fast interchange from defence to attack, uh, quick build-up on the wings, run in behind uh, the full-back, square it to a target man, generally Wayne Rooney, and, you know, there you have your goals coming in. So, in a sense, United still play that way. What is so different about this side? See, I'll tell you what, it's... And this is this is what boggles the mind because after the the lockdown, uh, after, when when Premier League resumed, United had the most points than any other team. We were we were on fire. This team was basically winning everything and beating everybody. We we beat the the teams which sat deep. We beat the teams that tried to hit us on the counter. We beat the top six. We beat the bottom six. We beat basically everybody and got good results everywhere all around the the the, the league. But now it's come to a point where it's it's like somebody has hit the reset on these players and they've just forgotten how to play with their feet or, you know, use their minds. It's just mind-boggling to see what's happened on the screen. It, it, it happened with the Palace game where we were completely dismantled. It happened with the, the Brighton game where we were basically, we were lucky to get that last-minute uh, penalty. And now with, with the Spurs game, it was just a matter of time. And I, I can't really put my finger on it and that... That pretty much sums it up because everyone's wondering what the hell has happened. And yes, there are a whole lot of problems that uh, were in the club. But a few months ago, we were we were in dreamland. Uh, funny you mentioned the lockdown. Now, in hindsight, do you think uh, it wasn't so much a case of United being excellent as maybe the other teams, you know, not having anything to fight for? Because... A couple of games after the lockdown and Liverpool were champions. So, Liverpool didn't have much to play for. In fact, they even lost to Arsenal and Arsenal were shambolic last year. And City also. 
and uh, then you basically had Leicester which uh, the team imploded and even Wolves and Sheffield United they were playing for Europa League and all the other teams weren't playing so could it have been that maybe United were made to look better than they were no i, I don't think that's the case like the like you said Liverpool and City had already occupied uh, the you know positions 1 and 2 but 3 and 4 were wide open it was between Leicester uh, Chelsea United Sheffield Wolves Arsenal it was it, Tottenham maybe it was anyone's game you know it was it was really really close even till the last uh, the last day the last match week and united uh, pretty much nicked it from from leicester and leicester i would say were were unlucky but united were equally good to you know climb from 8th which was sometime around uh, uh, christmas to finish third and that was an, an an impressive turnaround for that season so it, it, i don't know what it was it was uh, the, the players looked motivated they went for it things were happening but uh, as of now we can't even get uh, two passes together and i i, I I, it's really, really upsetting to watch, and I'm sure all uh, our listeners and United fans will will feel the same way. So, if it wasn't the last season, then it's something that's happened this season. So, of course, uh, the mind goes to the Maguire incident over uh, the break. Uh, it goes to the the transfer conundrum of you know Pogba staying, will he, won't he, of uh, the long drawn saga of Sancho. So. What really has conspired to uh, such a poor start to the season? Look, I'll tell you what. Defensively, we've just not been good enough. We've we've just not been good enough. I mean, this United side has now conceded eleven goals in three Premier League matches. That is insane. That is that is a lot. I think all of last season we conceded some thirty thirty five goals, and we've already given away eleven in three games. Defensively, we're just not there. the the pairings are not working maguire hasn't switched on i think after his uh, little incident on that greek holiday i don't know what it is about him he's just not come back the same way and uh, in partnerships uh, luke shaw uh, to you know to i'm going to really drop some names here luke shaw has been abysmal his positioning has been awful i don't know what he thinks he's some kind of a Uh, Roberto Carlos said he's always out of position. He's always trying to attack, but he just isn't good enough. He just doesn't give that ball, which can he doesn't create those chances. He's just not good enough. Mambisaka on the right hand side, yes, he's a good defender, but again, he too hasn't switched on yet. It's been three games. He hasn't switched on. He's been quite poor. His defending hasn't been great. He goes forward, bombs forward. doesn't have that end ball that cross in him yet i mean we saw he created a few goals last season but this time he's just not done it and then the the other center back lindelof had a chance he had a shocker against uh, crystal palace he had a role in all three of those goals and uh, to replace him they've put in eric bai who's a bit bit of a you know loose cannon you you know you you never know what you can get out of him he's He's the kind of guy who will easily give away a, a penalty and get a red card, and you know it's just uh, unpredictable with uh, Eric Bailly. So it's defensively we've just been poor. And you mentioned the fullbacks, uh, Van Bissaka and Luke Shaw. Now the funny thing is, what's common between both of them is that they were signed by United at uh, inflated fees after both of them had one good season. Yeah. Do you think it's a scouting problem? or do you think it's a problem where united simply uh, are not identifying the right talent maybe no, i'll tell you what it is and yes you're right that it it uh, we have purchased players at an elevated price that united side that got hammered last night that side 
was priced at about 400 million pounds, by the way. That's a 400 million pound side. Collectively, all the prices that, uh, all, the, all the money that United had paid for uh, signing them or whatever, a 400 million pound side with another 120 million pounds on the bench. And that is the level of performance you get out of them. It's, it's absolutely shocking. It's shambolic. It's quite unacceptable, to be honest. I see. So let the inquest begin then. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had the Martial incident. Uh, of course, let's talk about the match. So uh, before uh, Bruno Fernandes converted his penalty, Martial actually ran on to the ball very well and he was bundled over and the penalty was fair and square. Uh, so at that point of time, one couldn't have foreseen, you know, the the brutal onslaught that were coming that is coming United's way, um, and you know, of course, uh, Mourinho played his mind games. You know, Son was supposedly out with a serious hamstring injury, and voila, he's sprinting all over the place and doing his thing. So yes, Mourinho did get one over um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but uh, talk to me about the pivotal incident. Talk to me about uh, the, the coming together of Lamela and Marcia. No, look, I'll tell you what. Jose is a master tactician, but that, that you, you're Manchester United. You cannot be, you know, played like this, you know. Fine, you had Son in your team, but you have, you have you know, you've bought well. You've, you've spent money and there's no, there's no, the, the picture speaks for itself. Right? You cannot get uh, played over by this at this level. I mean, you are Manchester United. This is not some uh, club that is you know newly promoted. That that's not an excuse. You know these excuses do not fly at United. And talking about the the the, the Martial incident, yes, it was it was pivotal. But let me just go back a bit and say Martial offers very little defensively. Right? If he's there, he's not there. It doesn't matter. The goals that we conceded were entirely. Uh, you know, defensive errors, and it can be the the choices that were made by the 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 players themselves. But you got to point fingers to the coaching staff as well. I'm I'm certainly not a fan of uh, playing from the back, especially when you don't have players who are good with their feet. Like the third goal that we conceded, like two one with one red card down, you're still in the game. You know, you can still turn it around. Eric Bai plays the ball to Harry uh, to Nemanja Matic, who's been chased down by three different Spurs players. And he's basically played it in an area where he's got nothing to do. I mean, if you're stuck, just put it outside. He plays it to uh, uh, to Matic. Kane takes it off his feet. One, two passes. There are five players sitting in the box of United. And it's a simple tap-in for Kane. Now, these are problems that go back to the training ground. It goes back to individual players who've made bad decisions. If you see that you there's no other clear pass and you're trying to play from the back, just thwack it forward, launch it forward. And the the funny thing you mentioned there was uh, Eric Bai trying to play it out. Now it's worthwhile mentioning here that it was his first start this season. That's understood, but I, t- I tell you what, you you're a defender. You you've been you you're a you're a playing you're playing for a team that finished third in the English Premier League. You're playing for Manchester United. Th- these are not you know excuses. These are decisions that have to be made in a split second. You know whether you play the pass. Or you launch it forward, and you can obviously explain to your coach later on that you know what this was not. Uh, this is something that I didn't feel comfortable with. I thought we were going to concede. There were far too many players, ch- you know, chasing down Matic. It was not going to happen. He could have easily played it out, and that's that's a decision he took, and that's something the the players probably trained for uh, all all week, and it clearly didn't work. 
and they gave the ball away Kane had a simple tap in and he is not going to miss these things right and let's come back to the Martial incident we didn't really discuss it yes uh, and again Jose probably you know told Lamela that you can rile up a, a player like Martial he is a bit of a hothead this is not the first time this has happened with him he probably uh, you know if, if you look at the replay it was a simple push like a shoulder push or a forearm push that kind of slipped off his chest and went on to his neck and and his chin and that even if the var sees it that's probably a yellow or a talking to that's pretty much it marcial intentionally raised his hand now that's a straight red that is a straight red the intent the intensity doesn't matter you've raised your hand on somebody else it's a red and now it's 2020 there's cameras everywhere you cannot you cannot get away with things like these anymore you know Lamela makes the most of it he goes to ground fine but these are things people will do and these are things you have to deal with as a as a united player there is no excuse at all to raise your hand and get sent off and basically cripple uh, your your team and that's it and we had it coming since then yeah i mean the good the good thing is that uh, no one's really disagreed with the red card uh, whether it's been uh, solskar or the fans everybody uh, agrees that Martial should have been sent off. The key question is, should uh, Lamela have joined him? I don't think so. I think he he his his uh, contact, let's say, was not uh, intentional. He, I mean, he really pushed. That, that's that the scuffle goes on. Then there's a corner coming in. Players do that. They push around. They go into each other. You know, it's normal. Probably a yellow card for me, but not not two. Definitely not two red cards. And I I'll stand by the referee's decision, the VAR's decision that Martial should have been sent off. Maybe you're talking to to Lamela. And maybe Jose knew that. That's why he removed him at halftime. But uh, United pretty much made things worse for themselves. And uh, that's a good point because the guy who got sent off is uh, was essentially playing center forward. He was the furthest man forward. So there's still little excuse to ship four more goals. Yeah. And that's what happened. So yes, the third goal was a defensive error by by, but uh, even the goals uh, four, five, and six. I mean, Serge Aurier, he's at best an average Premier League player and he was being made to look world-class simply because Luke Shaw wasn't there. What What are your thoughts around uh, Luke Shaw? Incidentally, Luke Shaw and uh, Harry Maguire are the two lowest-rated players on BBC uh, out of all players that have started or played in the Premier League this season. I'm, I'm not surprised. Look, I'll tell you what. A team like Spurs with a, with a manager like Jose Mourinho, they did their homework, right? Not once was Rashford led to have a free run at the defence. Serge Aurier completely tracked him all the way up and down that uh, that left-hand side. Right-hand side, Mason Greenwood was, Greenwood was marked up and down. He wasn't given any space, any time on the ball. In the middle of the park, you had Ndombele, Sissoko and uh, the, the, this guy, Hoybeer. Pogba didn't have a chance. The midfield completely bossed it. We had no midfield. You know, the, this team came prepared. On the other hand, Son attacking from the left-hand side. Wan-Bissaka is nowhere to be found. Aurier bombing down the right-hand side. Lucas Mora bombing down the right-hand side. Luke Shaw is nowhere to be found. Harry Maguire is getting pulled out to the side. Luke Shaw goes and marks somebody else. Son is left completely vacant for a simple tap-in through De Gea's legs. And I mean... 
as a keeper i sympathize with them and there's very little time for a person to react but when you step out with your arms wide and your uh, you know legs crossed so it doesn't slide between it doesn't roll the ball between your legs you cover the gap between your legs you do not leave enough room for a person to roll it between through you that's pretty much the only angle he has he can't take it above you because you're a 6 feet something goalkeeper it's you're not even 2 feet away from the ball that's pretty much the only thing he has unless he puts it around you or you know whatever give passes it back that's pretty much the only option he has and son makes the most of it so these are the errors and let's talk about this goal where uh, you know how shambolic harry maguire was for the for the second goal he pulled if you look at the replay and it's it's everywhere now you look at the replay he has pulled down luke shaw for god knows what reason and he is trying to you know he luke shaw was in a position to clear the ball he pulled him down harry maguire pulled down luke shaw and then the ball was just lying on a platter for endombele to come and equalize it i think that was the first goal that was the first goal what, yes what, what what is that about you are a central defender one you've been you the club has spent 80 million to get you that's number 2 you are the club's captain number 3 that is not acceptable well i can sympathize there there was a time when the arsenal backline had uh, sebastian squillachi michael <laughs> silvestre and it were it was the days of the circus uh, really uh, no, you know no but that that's still look that's, that's okay but did you spend 80 million on a on a center back well i i am uh, i think you have us beat there yeah exactly my point so uh, at 4-1 you must have feared the worst uh, and you know uh, uh, going into half time it couldn't have been pleasant reading for anybody but did you expect uh, ole gunnar solskjaer to make those uh, defensive minded changes at half time do you did you think that maybe he would roll the dice come up with some sort of a counter attacking plan to maybe at least take the fight to tottenham see i wanted to i was you know we are manchester united and i keep saying it and i'm not going to get tired of saying it because it is the club's dna we have been in this position in the past and we have pushed forward only difference was this was under sir alex right for you know to see united put a defensive change to you know to damage control essentially at half time is unheard of and you know this for 20 years we've been watching the premier league a club like united has not gone into damage limitation at half time you remove your one creative midfielder bruno fernandes you put on a defensive midfielder scott mctominay you take off your slow defensive midfielder matic you put on fred i i would have i wouldn't have even cared if we had lost 8-0 8-1 or you know 10-1 i mean i would have would like to see some intent from the players that yes we are still in it and we want to get a result you know that's i would have loved to see some intent rather than just tuck our tails between our legs and just give it to them that was more upsetting to watch yeah and to top it all off this was a home game so this yeah. happened at old trafford and it's not the first time this has happened 6-1 uh, yeah yeah so uh, of course there's been a lot of banter city's gotten in on the act etc and a lot of this you know today being transfer deadline day a lot of this feels like it's of united's making you know the dithering in the transfer window the poor recruitment the managerial go around how much uh, blame do you think should be apportioned to the management and how much to the board look i'm i'm going to go on a bit of a rant here if you'll allow me let's let's start from the beginning it's it's come to a point where players 
cannot even get two passes together. Anything beyond a 10 yard passes was getting intercepted. Now I understand a manager is responsible for these things, but he cannot physically make a player pass the ball. That is basic stuff that you will expect a player to be capable of to find a pass. If it's not the pass, which is, uh, you know, easy, he can obviously lob it across, you know, cross field, change the side, change the flank. But that was just not happening. You cannot, I mean, unless Ole picks up a PlayStation remote and controls them manually, then I probably would blame Ole. But the players just cannot, there's no intent, there's no intensity. I do not understand. I don't think there's a manager in the world that would have said, no, no, take it easy. Don't go for it. Conserve your energy. We're going to, you know, pass our way into the, into the match. No, that's not it. Every manager wants intent. You know, and that's that's what's seriously lacking in these players. There's no intent. You see the way the Tottenham pressed. You see the way Harry Kane pressed. You see the way Son pressed for every ball, every goal. They wanted to win. And mind you, Spurs played their fourth game in eight days. And they were still physically, you know, way up, uh, up, up and above than uh, compared to the United players who just had one game, one uh, week, the one match the previous weekend. So the players have to take the blame. For instance, Paul Pogba, he's around the center circle. He's got the ball. He's got Fernandes to his left. He's got Greenwood to his right. He's got uh, defenders on his back. Instead of playing a simple pass left, right or back or just lobbing the ball anywhere else, literally, the man tries to nutmeg three people and tries to get across. Now, I do not understand that. And I tell you what, and fans can hate me or do whatever. The gloves are off. The cover has been blown. Pog Papa, in my opinion, is not a world-class player. He has not justified his price tag. He has not proved his worth at United. He is not good enough. And enough time has been given, enough opportunity has been given to this player. He has not delivered. It's time. Let's just all say it. Pogba is not good enough. He's not good enough for the club. So there, I, I, that's, the, that's the player. Let's go towards the management. Where is the where is the training? Where what what have players been doing for the entire week? You know, you go through defensive drills, you go through all kinds of attacking scenarios. Clueless, absolutely clueless. Defensively, we're all over the place. Luke Shaw slots in where Maguire is supposed to be. Luke Shaw is always out of position. Juan Bissaka hasn't tracked the run of Son. Son, who's on fire, nobody has tracked him. Aurier has an open shot on goal. No, but no defense there. Maguire doesn't go tackling in to block Serge Aurier's uh, shot. He doesn't do that. There's no intent. There's no intensity. Then this just looks like the headless chickens. You you take the ball forward. You've got Rashford on the left. You've got Martial in the center. You've got Greenwood coming in from the right. You've got Bruno Fernandes. You've got Pogba. On paper, you would think the five of them would create something. They plant themselves in, in the opponent's area and then it's blank. One side pass after another, one side pass after another, nothing. And they're trying to find that nutmeg, that little flicks and tricks to get the ball, to get through on goal and then take a shot. Just doesn't happen. Just doesn't happen. Right? And coming, coming, uh, so th th you have to think about the manager as well. And there's so many instances and there's so many managers who are always on the touchline yelling instructions at their players, you know, and if the players are not good enough, they're giving them a stick. Ole Solskjaer sits comfortably in his in his box up there and he's watching the match on a screen. Why are you watching the match on a screen? You get on the touchline, get after the players, show some intensity, show that they are backed by a, by a manager who cares, who wants to win. There's just not enough intensity. The final whistle goes off. United have lost 6-1. Ole goes smiling, fist bumps every single player. 
the opponent player, the referee, Jose Mourinho, why is he smiling? Where's the intensity from a manager who's just been pummeled? It's not there. It's just not there. You know, you need that ruthless aggression from your players, from your managers. And even in the post-match conference, always smiling. You know, that really upsets me. I can't, cannot rem- imagine a single instance where, you know, Sir Alex would have done something like that. That's another case. Now let's go to the to the recruitment. We have had some really, really awful uh, purchases. We have spent an exorbitant amount of money on players, which we shouldn't have. We've spent so much money. And none of these deals make sense. Alexis Sanchez was on some 400,000 to 500,000 pounds a week contract. He didn't do anything. For instance, again, and we've done it again. We've, we've signed Alex Telles, apparently. It's not confirmed by the club. We've signed Alex Telles. He's 27 years old. We've given the man a five-year contract. He's going to be 32 when his contract runs out. Why would you do that? Give the man a three-year contract. Let him see where you go or what you get with him. That, and that's the reason why we have so much deadwood. Phil Jones is still in the squad, by the way. Chris Smalling is still in the squad. Marcus Rocco is still in the squad. I cannot remember the last time that these three played for the club. They're still in the squad. We're still paying wages to them. And there's these insane contracts which have just been thrown around. This new guy that we've uh, singled out, this Triore fella, 18-year-old for 30 million. 30 million from a league, a non-English league. What is that about? So the hiring has been all shambolic. We've been throwing away money. We're giving so much money to the players. We're making these marquee signings. You're signing Kamani on a two-year deal. What are you going to get out of Kamani? He's 33. Yes, he's a world beater. He's won everything. He's an accomplished striker. But he's 33. It's not a solution. We've been chasing Jaden Sancho for the last 18 months. We're trying to get that down. We need a right winger, a proper, proper right winger, not somebody who plays as a right winger. He's just not, we've just haven't, we know the price tag. Dortmund have been very clear in saying, this is the deadline, this is the money I want. Pay up or shut up. Why are we then going to Dortmund saying, no, you know what, give give us, give, give us Sancho for 90 million. No, that's not how it works. You're not a fruit seller. That's not how it works. If, you, if you're if you asked 120, you got to pay up 120. And that's the image that Manchester United have made for themselves and the club. The price of a player automatically doubles and triples. I believe Leicester are having a laugh right now for getting 80 million for, for Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire is a... Probably he's a good centre-half. He plays for England. He, plays for Le- he played well for Leicester. He had a good... Let's say a reasonably good season at United, but right now his weaknesses are clear as daylight. You cannot hide behind it. So the problem is everywhere. And then to top it all off, the cherry on the cake are the owners. There was a study which was released recently by uh, this this company called Swiss uh, something. And they they released a, a study which said how much money has... How much money has been taken out of the club or how much money has have owners invested in the club? Manchester United are at the bottom of that table. The owners have taken out almost 136 million pounds of money which was which was supposed to be spent in the club. They have removed it and they've used it as dividends or whatever. So basically they've used United as a business. They have not they have forgotten that we're a football club that chases Every single trophy, glory, that's all gone. We are now a business. We are now a, we are now a brand. We have. I, I went down on the on the Manchester United website earlier this earlier today, 
and I scrolled all the way down and this is something I'm not making up. Everybody can go look at it. You go all the way down. We have a total of 23 sponsors, by the way. We have a noodle sponsor, right? There's money coming in, don't get me wrong. And for, for people to say, oh, you know what? Old Trafford is suffering because the fans aren't going to the club, uh, to, the, to the stadiums anymore. That's true for everybody. But everybody is spending, everybody from Aston Villa to uh, Chelsea, everybody is spending. They are reinforcing their squad. United have bought one player after finishing third. Instead of saying, okay, you know what, Ole, you finished third, you've done a good job. Here's some money, go buy some players, get us third again, or you know, push for City and Liverpool. And mind you, we were still miles up behind Liverpool, the way, the way you know, the place where we finished. We are still miles behind them. The owners haven't backed Ole. The players have no intent. Defensively, we are shambolic. The training staff seems to be completely clueless. It's just problems, problems, problems all around. All over the pitch. Nothing at the moment is working for Manchester United. Well, that's a, that's a pretty damning uh, assessment, if I may say so. And, uh, you know, we have something in common there. And I'm not going to be patronizing. I'm going to be very matter-of-fact. Because I've been to both the stadiums, I've been to the Emirates, I've been to Old Trafford, I find that uh, there is history and legacy behind these two clubs. Now, Arsenal suffered uh, when Wenger left. And, you know, some say that he left too late, uh, that his glory years were, uh, you know, uh, long exhausted, long done. Do you think that uh, the maladies that Man United has uh, inherited or, let's say, that have manifested themselves were kind of papered over because of uh, Sir Alex's excellent management. Uh, could it be that maybe the rot set in much earlier and, you know, it was uh, not fixed until it is too late and it will now require maybe uh, another three or four seasons to fix it? Any any thoughts on that? No, I think, I think we have switched far too many managers. The talent was there. Yes, we had to let go of David Moyes. I wasn't a fan, but I firmly believed and I still believe we should have held on to Jose Mourinho. We should have given the backing that he wanted. He desperately wanted a centre-half. We did not give it to him. He played an entire season with Jones and uh, Smalling as centre-halves and he finished second. And when Jose Mourinho said, I have finished second with this squad, that is the biggest accomplishment of my life, I believed him because that squad was not good enough. And the same thing is happening. It's like there's a cycle. You get a new manager, you buy two or three players, you get the fans excited, the, the, the club finishes in the top four, you think, okay, now we are back on track. Next season, you don't back the manager at all. You finish fifth or sixth or seventh or whatever. You get The, the manager gets criticism all over the place. And then you sack a manager and then you repeat and repeat and repeat. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer last season wanted Haaland. He got Odayan Igalo instead. That should tell you everything you need to know about the manager, the backing that he's been given, the, the way recruitment has been uh, going on and the way this club is being run financially. How terrible it is at every single level. So, uh, the inquest continues. Now, let me ask you a blunt question. Yeah. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, is he good enough? Well, we've, I've seen enough signs to, to trust the manager. And, you know, you cannot have that good a run in the Premier League without, uh, you know, tact, without having the knowledge, without having the, you know, the, the depth of understanding of the game. It's just that United, and again, this is another problem that has happened. In this, in this window, United so far have signed one player, Donny van der Beek. 
they have shipped out four players the squad there is no depth we are playing pretty much the same 11 in the carabao in the europa league last season in the fa cup in the premier league and it shows eventually the players were visibly tired there were stories of uh, i think it was rashford or it was maguire somebody taking painkiller injections before the game and then showing up to play the match that is not good enough you cannot have that united have let go of uh, sanchez fine deadwood glad he's gone they've let go of tahir chong who can easily play a carabao cup or an fa cup as a striker very capable they've let go of delo who is a replacement right back for uh, bambisaka they've let go of uh, who's the fourth guy they've let go of this time one more guy they've let go of one more guy so they've not added to the squad they've removed more players again you're losing out on depth look at look at liverpool for instance right sadio mane got uh, the, the covid Straight away, Diogo Jota slots right in there. And we saw yesterday the, the one-two passing between uh, Diogo Jota and Robertson and, and uh, Salah was phenomenal. Yes, they got thumb seven too, but Diogo Jota really impressed me. And United do not have that kind of cover. If they lose a Milner, they have a Thiago Alcantara. If they lose Thiago, they've got somebody else. If they lose, if they lose Salah, they've got Oxlade Chamberlain. They've got Minamino. They've got Shakiri. They've got backup after backup. United, we look. We looked at that bench. The the only other player that came from the academy was Jesse Lingard, and he's nearly. He's a, he's he should go to I don't know Aston Villa or Fulham. That's where he belongs. He's of the caliber of let's say Ross Barkley or maybe even worse than that. That's where he belongs. He's not a United player. You have Donny Van de Beek. You have Dean Henderson. There's just no depth at all. There is no plan B. If the if the if the first team doesn't deliver. There's nobody on the bench who can come and turn it around. This this reminds me of uh, the Arsenal team, you know, of uh, uh, the 11-12 and the 12-13 vintage when there was a lot of sideways passing going on and uh, not too many ideas going forward. And basically, we relied on Van Persie to get us through a season or two and keep us in the top four. And then, of course, it was uh, Wenger's miracle, that team that had Jamak and Bentner and... Uh, really a whole bunch of second string players, uh, you know, in the top four. But uh, if you're going to uh, stick with Solskjaer, would you give him the entire season or would you put him on probation? No, but there's no point now, isn't it? He's, he's not been backed, he's not been given the players and he's not been given the players early in the in the transfer window. Chelsea, mind you, they signed Ziyech when the last season was still going on. What is the point of making four signings on the on the end of the uh, last day of the transfer market and then expecting a manager to pull it around? He's not a master magician. He's a young manager. He is still learning. Look at the likes of Lampard. Lampard and Solskjaer pretty much have the same, I would say, experience level at this point. Look at the confidence that has been shown by Abramovich. He's given 220 million to that guy. He's bought him an entire team. That kind of backing is good for the manager that yes i have an owner who trusts me yes i am uh, you know in a position where i can make i'm heard in the boardroom the players themselves will be like yes we have a manager who win wants to win and the players themselves will feel the pressure that yes if i don't deliver my position is gone because my replacement is already here who in there who is going to replace paul pogba if he doesn't perform i have nobody in mind bruno fernandez is already playing who else is there to replace Pogba? There is literally no other creative central midfielder. That's it. 
and that's where complacency comes in so it doesn't matter I'm, it doesn't matter if ole is given the next week or the next season or next season if he's not backed then we are back to square one then we might as well talk about getting a new manager and then starting this whole thing all over again and and that is one uh, thing that i will rate uh, arteta and the arsenal board uh, higher is that they've come in and they've set a culture of uh, nobody's indispensable so uh, you know uh, you had pundits uh, talking about gendouzi in his breakthrough season and all of a sudden he's been shipped out for exactly the kind of indiscipline that we saw from marcial yesterday uh, mesedozil has been frozen out yeah. even though he's the club's highest wage earner by far and you do have some you know some of these examples being set by the club hierarchy and in particular by the coach i i just have a feeling and this is me as an outsider talking that ole gunner is probably too nice a guy you know uh, maybe as a coach uh, of course we don't know what goes on behind the scenes but maybe you need a guy who can reach down a player's throat and tell him that you know if you're not good enough i'm going to ship you off to play with the under 23s no but i'll i'll tell you what and i i it came as a shock when solchar made those subs at at half time and then it it occurred to me what what else could he have done there's nobody on the bench that can turn a three goal deficit with a man down there's literally nothing else he could have done we didn't even have igalo on the bench yesterday what what are you going to do his hands are tight and it's it's so bad it's shame it's shameful that we've come to a point where a manager looks to his bench a manager of manchester united looks at his bench and says well this is it we might as well shut shop here and i hope we don't get uh, punched for a few more goals but we did and that absolutely sucks well this has been uh, damning and painful brother but uh, as all th- as all things you know we must look to the tomorrow so of course the international break couldn't have come at a better time it will hopefully give uh, all the players to look at the mirror look at themselves and hopefully not put in such an abysmal performance again but uh, if you were a part of the united management team uh, what is it that you would do differently for the very next match give me your thoughts they've they've got a they've got to bring that intensity back they've got to feel ashamed that they are they are uh, they call themselves united players at this point they should really take a good hard look at themselves and realize that they've let the club down they've let the they've let the fans down they let the manager down they really it um, has it has to come from all levels the management has to pick up the players have to pick up everybody has to get in on their act and just get on with it that's a good sentiment but uh, is there anything you would do with personnel tactics maybe would you switch it around what would you do in the very next game so there's pretty much nothing you can do with the personnel because there's there's no depth in the squad there's no there's nobody who can i would i would personally want to uh maybe get rid of dahaya he's been abysmal he's been shocking put on dean henderson let him face some competition as well right get rid of uh, people who are uh, taking their positions for granted you know put on one matter for uh, uh let's say pogba you know let him sit on the bench for a while you know get get something going show some aggression you know the manager like you said he's too much of a nice guy he has to stamp his authority and say you know what you're not good enough and you know i think that's something we need to see some signs you know and find the club is going to buy three or four players today to pacify the fans and maybe some fans will quiet down that yes now we have kamani yes now we have telles 
but I, I still think there's we're we're a long long way from catching the likes of uh, Liverpool and 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 uh, City at this point. I see, and uh, of course uh, we must talk about the other big defeat as well. <laughs> so uh, let's say. Uh, Misery loves company. Oh yeah. Uh, what do you make of the other game? And uh, you know, what do you make of Aston Villa? Was it Aston Villa that were brilliant, or were, was it Liverpool that was shambolic? Do you think their standards have dropped? No, I'll tell you what. And the goals that Liverpool conceded were quite similar to the goals that United conceded. Defensively, they were all over the place. Robertson and Alexander Arnold were not nowhere to be found when. Grealish and Watkins were attacking from the flanks. They were nowhere to be found. Van Dijk is uh, pretty much uh, their man mountain in the centre, but he was paired with Joe Gomez, who, in my opinion, is not is not a quality centre half. He was just all over the place. And and Villa was just on point. They took all their chances. They and Grealish, what a man he has turned out to be after his uh, his new contract. Amazing, three goals and two assists in a seven-two demolition is is. Something he's going to remember and tell his grandkids for years and years to come. And that too of the champions and the team that won the Champions League in the previous season. By so, a team that survived relegation by a point. That is incredible. Yeah, that is incredible indeed. Uh, but uh, staying on Liverpool for a minute. Uh, of course, it tells us how hard it is to maintain your high standard season after season. And you know, that is why you only have one Messi and one Ronaldo. And, you know, uh, you have so many Van Dykes and Luka Modric's and uh, Shevchenko's who've had one or two blinding seasons and then faded. Mm. Um, do you think Liverpool will get found out? I think, I'll tell you what, and this is, I'm glad you brought this up. Now, I, I see there's a change in, in uh, the style of football that is being played. Like the old tiki-taka style of football, death by passing, it's gone now. Everybody now is all about that high press. We saw it with Spurs. That's what they did. They pressed us. The players were uncomfortable on the ball. They didn't know. And they gave away possession so many times. The same kind of press was done by Villa. Yes, you cannot do it uh, game after game. It requires an incredible amount of stamina and uh, you know fitness. But that's the new style. If you go for it, if you press, if you chase the ball, every single pass, every single person who's on the ball, if you chase him, there will be mistakes. You will get the ball back and you will create your chances. I see a shift in football. I quite like it. And it, it shows there are some teams, there are some players who are up for the challenge. They will push for it. They will push through the pain. They will push through it and they will they will get the result they want. I Last season, if you had told me that Liverpool were going to lose 7-2 to Aston Villa, I would have laughed. But we saw what we saw. And it wasn't a fluke, mind you. It was a convincing victory they took him the same way and, the same way spurs took us and and this was a team with 11 men and uh, maybe everybody was an international yeah and of course allison was a big loss but adrian's no you know poor keeper he's no he's he was the first choice at west ham and, uh, you know they capitulated uh, just goes to show you know when people play in tandem how big a loss even one person can be. For example, Mane goes out and Jota is an excellent replacement. But the tandem, the tempo was lost. And then, of course, you've got Alisson going missing. And, of course, uh, Adrian made those uh, couple of really horrible errors. But, uh, you know, take nothing away from Aston Villa. What what this has shown is that with the right recruitment and an equitable 
profit sharing model that the Premier League employs, you have a competitive league. And I'm glad that we watch the Premier League and not, you know, a two horse league like the La Liga or a one horse league like Bundesliga. Yeah. Uh, even Aston Villa are competitive. We've seen Leeds go toe-to-toe with Man City and uh, deliver. So, really exciting times. Of course, uh, excitement uh, at the expense of uh, fans' emotions is, of course, uh, a bitter pill to swallow. But uh, we've all been there. And uh, at one point in time, uh, I was there at the hands of Man United. And uh, I remember it didn't feel good. And of course, these days will pass as well. Now, give me your final thoughts on uh, what is the best case scenario for United uh, at least till December in terms of the Premier League and the Champions League. Look, I I really worry for United. The next, I looked at the calendar this morning and the next few games we have, we got Newcastle away on the 17th. The next four games, we've got Arsenal, Chelsea, PSG and Red Bull Leipzig. What are we going to do? I don't see it. I don't see anything coming from these games at all. It's going to be, if this pattern continues, if this level of performance continues, we're going to be had. Yes, there are jokes about people talking about United for relegation and stuff. Yes, it's too early and it's probably uh, a gimmick. But maybe it's going to be one of those seasons where we finish mid-table and we get found out. You know, let's see, I tell you what, City are not have not gotten off to a good start. Liverpool have been found out and they've been destroyed 7-2. But... They have the manager. They have the they have the the procedures in place to bounce back, and this will remain like an anecdote in a distant memory. Like Villa fans will talk something about this many years from now. It's going to become an anecdote for us now. We have nothing, and I've talked about this in great length. We have no structure. We have no plan. We have no players. We have no depth. Our manager lacks confidence. Our manager lacks, uh, you know, maybe uh, the experience as well. We have no fallback option here. We don't have a Jurgen Klopp or a Pep Guardiola in our in our backroom staff and our managerial staff to help us out. We have we're pretty much on our own, and everybody collectively has to step up. Otherwise, it's going to be one long, long season. But do you think that's a bit of a fans' overreaction? Because this is ultimately the same team that finished third last season. Look, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I really hope I'm wrong. I hope these players get their act together from the game, from the next game itself. I hope I'm wrong. But from what I see right now, there are these signs are not encouraging at all. I I I am genuinely worried for United and where we'll finish this season. Like we've booked our place in the Champions League, but the the club, the group that we've had, the group that we've been given. It's not favourable at all. And if we end up in the Europa League again, if we finish third and we end up in the Europa League playing Thursday night football, it's going to make things worse. Well, on that less than optimistic note, it's been uh, it's been great uh, dissecting the fall of, or let's say the temporary fall of Manchester United. And um, uh, two big fours falling on the same night to unfancy opposition of course it's a tale uh, that will be remembered for years and years to come and uh, let's see how this season unfolds uh, and we'll catch each other in the next game week as well but pleasure talking to you brother once again pleasure talking to you i mean that the tides of the premier league are shifting once again from the london clubs to the manchester clubs to now let's say the merseyside clubs i think everton might surprise us all this time you never know One never knows. 
And on that note, let's sign off. It was a great, uh, great discussion.